This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joy podcast from LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more information and tons of other podcasts, head to joy.org.au. The Foster Report on Joy Drive with Dean Warren. And Richard Foster. How you doing, Foster? Uh, I knew if I stuck around long enough, I'd hear it eventually. Well done. I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with that sting. You've, you've gone to town. Fantastic. Uh, no, big Pretty thanks good. to uh, Jordan Johnson for helping us with that. Yeah, I think it, it gives you a certain credibility, a certain kudos. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't that, it? That you've clearly been lacking. Balances it up. Credibility I wouldn't have had otherwise. Absolutely tell us, right. Tell us your level of surprise at the result over the weekend. Yeah, I'm not overly surprised. The only my element of surprise is probably much the same as everybody else, and it rests solely with the margin. I, um, I, I was surprised that the margin was so low. I thought we, uh, you know, the polls may have corrected themselves by now, but uh, but evidently not. So. Nonetheless, um, uh, look, Biden is in. The silence from Trump is is deafening. It's certainly not uh, the longest we've gone without a presser from Donald Trump, but uh, it's certainly not normal procedure after, either after an election result's been announced, mm. if there ever was anything normal about this. When you say the margins, this is my limited knowledge of American politics, but surely once he has a majority of electoral college votes, it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect his Senate or his House. No, absolutely right. Uh, my, my surprise sits still with how much he won by within that, uh, reaching the 270. So mm. it's sort of, uh, like you say, once you reach 270, you're in, no question. well, supposedly no questions asked, normally. Mm. But getting to that 170 was tight all along the way. So yeah. that did surprise me a little. Now, Richard, what do you think the implications will be for the Morrison government of a Biden-led US the most immediate thing I think that um, that Morrison will be confronting is Joe Biden's very early resolve around environmental policy. Um, Donald Trump took the US out of the Paris Climate Agreement and uh, Joe Biden has already said that it will be a priority for him and his administration um, to sign the US straight back up. This is interesting for Australia and it could well present a challenge for uh, Scott Morrison. As we know, the current government, uh, with a succession of prime ministers within it, bar one, quite notably, mm. have all taken a position that fossil fuels will remain as a significant part of Australia's energy mix and there's really no intention to do very much about that. They've also taken a position that they're not going to continue uh, funding the development of, uh, of green energy, we need um, it, claiming we it's already at a sustainable level. We need one government to come in as a one-term wonder, just to come in and go, we're here for one term and this is what we're doing. <laughs> you need a government that is not concerned about being re-elected. Be a little careful there. You did kind of have that once and it, it didn't last, did it? Mm. Um, and any attempt to get an emissions trading scheme up has, has been met with such mm. firm resistance uh, from within the parliament that, uh, that each attempt has failed and has cost a leadership along the way. Mm. I mean, the US position now, um, or if we can take Joe Biden at his word, that significant environmental reforms are going to go through in the US, it does now position the world's largest economy as being very, very heavily uh, invested in, uh, in in green energy. That, it's not the only large economy in the world that does that, as we know, but if, the, if Australia's current government maintains its position, it basically now then will sit our economy outside 
the largest of the world's economies that will all be trading in green energy. Mm. It's just hard to see how a government that prides itself on its economic credentials could sit so calmly while this happens around them. Well, it's as Warren was just saying to me earlier, it's like we've always rested on our laurels by saying, well, Scott's been saying, Mr Morrison's been saying, well, America's not signed it, so why should we? But now if America signs it, there's that excuse. Well, Scott says we, we won't make a difference. We're such a small percentage. But if you look at it, China's committed to net zero. I can't remember the year. We'll have the US committing to net, net zero emissions. All our major... Japan has as well. Our major trading partners have. So we're essentially going to be an isolated island. Well, I think you've hit we the nail on the head there. It's... <laughs> you don't want to be so economically isolated as was yeah. proven in the 80s and, and that's basically what we could end up racing towards if the government doesn't shift its position on this and that's because it, it really has very little to do with how much the country emits. Mm. Uh, that's not it. It's just that if all the other large economies that you are seeking to trade with are trading on the basis of green, green energy investment, mm. costs for a tonnage on CO2, etc., if that is actually genuinely built into their economies and it is fast becoming so if indeed it is not already then australia will find itself very very uh find it very very hard to maintain the trading relationships that it has do you think there'll be sorry Jay, do you think there'll be difficulties with the national party i mean is it the national party uh, that's putting pressure on scott morrison to you know to, not, to not be environmentally yeah. conscious and, and go for green energy is it the national party and will we see more tension there do you think well, that's been a big part of the resistance that we've seen to things like a carbon trading scheme, various forms of the CPRS and so on. Look, at, at what we've seen in Canberra is a, dis, a distinct lack of pragmatism um, mm. around environmental investment, frankly. And, and it's come from all the parties. It's, it's not actually limited to the Nationals, although they, they're certainly a significant part of it. Mm. Some very loud voices in the Nationals that don't go quietly. But again, they're not you on their Barnaby own. leave Barnaby out of this. <laughs> Barnaby can't help himself. Barnaby yeah. will be front and centre at <laughs> something like this. Yeah. But no, we, we have seen it across the political spectrum, though. I mean, the Labor governments of Rudd and Gillard did try various forms of compromises to get a trading scheme up. Um, as, as we know, um, it didn't last. It, on, uh, in one incarnation of that, it was actually the Greens Party mm. that, that got in and blocked it because it wasn't quite what they wanted. Mm. Again, a, a distinct lack of political pragmatism. Mm. We've certainly seen it with the National Party. We, we've seen, um, it, it, well, every attempt from the National Party lacks any pragmatism whatsoever. They will find themselves on the cusp of irrelevance if they're not there already by some people's estimation, if they can't get on board with this simply because their constituents economically actually benefit from it. Mm. You know, sensible farming means, as we all know, I think, and, and as economists will tell you, means positive, uh, something positive for the economy. Uh, all parties really need to get around this and we haven't seen a lot of evidence of them lining up to do so. Political piffle, as Malcolm Turnbull piffle. said. Yeah, only Malcolm Turnbull could get away with a term like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Richard Foster, um, every president wants to hit the ground running for the first 100-day report. I know that Joe Biden has already mentioned that he will get straight on to signing the Paris Agreement. Do you know, I mean, quite famously now, he mentioned the LGBTIQA plus community in his first presentation to the people. Do you know if he's uh, uh, earmarked any advancements in our cause 
for that first hundred days? Is there something? You I haven't get? heard of anything. No, I haven't heard of anything specific yet. But I think it's a case of watch this space. The mm. the underlying messaging has been all about inclusion, all about embracing the people again. There's some very very positive underlines there that would would suggest that you know there, there would have to be something for communities like the LGBTIQ plus community and and others, no doubt, mm. to, as part of reuniting a, a, a populace that has been so disenfranchised in and recent in years. In terms of race, he's absolutely going to have to if he's got the support of the black vote in the south is really going to have to do something quite dramatic and quite soon. I would agree with that. The thing to watch will be Congress, of course. Um, he's he's going to have a battle there, depending on what he is, what it is that he wants to do. And uh, just to, you know, in in a quick sort of shortcut through this, uh, Biden can pretty much. I mean, as long as it's constitutional or it arises from an act of the Congress, he he can rely on presidential orders to get yeah. a lot done that he wants to see done. So he does have that power. But just just for a moment, it's interesting to think what Congress might make of that. I mean, Congress still has the ability to then vote down a presidential order with a bill. If that happens, the president can simply veto the bill. But if things go that far, Congress can then try passing an act to override the president's order. Now, that takes two-thirds of the Congress to do that, though, not just half. And a lot of time, I imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's just see how uppity the Congress wants to get. I think presidential orders sort of lost their appeal for me when he just started willy-nilly banning Muslims from the country via Mm. them and things like that. Well, let's, uh, let's see if uh, the powers can be used for good rather than evil. Mm, man, what a big week for what you, Richard week. Foster. I instruct you to read no more newspapers for the rest of this week. Oh, don't pay me with that, <laughs> You know, what else am I going to do? That's all we've got time for. Richard Foster, thanks again for your time. Thank see you, you this time next week. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more podcasts or to support Joy by becoming a member, donating or subscribing, head to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation. Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.